Welcome to the Music Education Podcast. I'm Chris of the Chris Woods Groove Orchestra and this podcast is brought to you by the Soundstorm Music Education Hub. I think sometimes the conversations around music education can be quite preoccupied with desperately trying to be current and relevant. And by doing that, I think we often miss out on music education opportunities that are traditional and grassroots and already ingrained into culture itself. The wonderful thing about accessing these more traditional music communities or music groups is that they come with so much of that really magical, wonderful human community stuff, which is so powerful, it's almost impossible to put into words. Now, in Britain, one of our most notable traditional musical community groups are brass bands. And in this episode, I have a conversation with Victoria Steinitz about brass bands and the role they play historically, present and perhaps future. And of course, all from a music education perspective. Now, this has to be one of my favourite podcasts so far. I hope you enjoy listening. Victoria, thank you so much for joining me this afternoon. Can we start off? Can we start off with a bit of a who you are and what we do? Yeah, of course. Um, So my name is Victoria Steinitz. Um, My sort of history or the reason why I've come into this is from a brass band point of view. Um, I conduct two brass bands locally to where I live at the moment, the Boxstead Methodist Silver Band and the greatly named Ipswich Over 50s Brass Band. Um, So I'm sort of working with a later aged demographic um, in banding, and that includes everything that you might imagine, um, church services, summer fates, um, school little productions, a whole load of stuff to do with the Jubilee. Um, Some brass bands also do competitions. Many people will have seen the film Brassed Off, um, and I have done those in the past with the Colchester Band as well. But that, in theory, is all for leisure and enjoyment. So just to bring some bread and butter, I'm also at a school administrator. I work up the road at my daughter's primary school. Um, so there's a real mixture of things going on. Fantastic. And then working within a younger people's brass band Yes. Well? Well, my daughter now, I'm really pleased to say she plays the cornet. Um, and she just started a year or so ago and she plays with a group called First Class Brass and that is a community ensemble so it really is open for everybody. Um, A lot of children learning different instruments and also adults who are learning or those people who are returning to music after a long break Um, and First Class Brass is fantastic because it's all-inclusive. If you play a trumpet which wouldn't normally be allowed anywhere near a brass band you can go Or if you play a French horn, which you can play in an orchestra or a wind band, but not in a brass band, you can play a French horn in first class brass. That's absolutely fine. Brilliant. Fantastic. The perfect person to talk about brass bands. I think a nice place to start off, if you don't mind, is to give us a little bit of an insight into the history and current sort of culture of brass bands bearing in mind we have a lot of listeners across the globe as well so just understanding it from you know i guess quite a a british perspective Mm. as well um would be really interesting 
So the brass band tradition in England really comes out of industry, uh, whether that's mining in the north or mining in Cornwall, um, and a little bit later on, Industrial Revolution in Victorian times, around factories and things to keep your workers um, engaged in useful social and um, just really anything to keep them out of the pub. Um, mm. So if they could go to a brass band rehearsal two nights a week, maybe on the weekend, um, they would do that. So you would have, um, that's why in Yorkshire, uh, there are so many bands which either were or are associated with the different mining communities. Mm-hmm. Um, so around that, then obviously uh, the wives, the children would go to the events, the big open days. It's all about people making people feel good. Um, and even when, obviously, last century the mines closed down, you've still got this band and this community spirit. Um the bands that weren't attached to the miners might have been attached to particular bits of the industry. So um, I'm just trying to think there's a source, a band even now called the Sourceworks Band, Hammond's Factory. Um, so you get weavers, um, car mechanics. In Colchester, we had a company that made um, air, they're called air movement, but they made air handling units. Um, any kind of industry, there would be a group attached to that. And as I say, really, it was to keep the men out of the pub and engaged in something. And then as that evolved, it was a lot of PR around doing really positive things in the community. And the larger the bands, and I expect this is something we'll talk about later, the larger the bands, they would then start the youth ensembles, the training ensembles, and to try and start getting the children um, into it as well. So a lot of the stuff that you actually see in that film, Brass Off, which is, of course, all about uh, the mine closing down, the, the community stuff, the stuff around the brass band is kind of piercingly accurate um, in how the band transcended that industry and reached out to the community. Um, and that's the history of it. And that's why you have so many bands now with slightly curious names. Uh, amazing. Thank you. So uh, all these bands were generally associated with, if you like, working class um, parts of society as well. So we're not, we weren't, there's not like a, I don't know, a, a barrister's brass band, for example. A cult, no, it's quite specific to workers, it, right? Very specifically to that. And, and the other um, areas that grew and carried the movement forward i think the most significant one is the salvation army Mm. um for a long time um although huge numbers of bands you know every town almost would have a salvation army citadel and if they had a citadel they would have a band within it whether it was a wind band or a brass band there would be one and for a long time those two things ran parallel um and the church music that went on in the Salvation Army was separate to the brass band world. Um, Their music wasn't published. It wasn't publicly available. And that changed at the very end of last century. They also opened up their music library as well. So all of their 
um, music, which was based on hymns or worship songs, that all became available to everybody as well. So you you wouldn't trace um, the history of brass bands back very far before you started to see these two um, streams of activity um, interlinking, really. Um, so I think it's important to say that, yes, it did come from industry and it did come from the working class background, but that um, trait through the Salvation Army has always been extremely strong and, in fact, mm. produced some of the best brass players um, of the last century. Wow. Okay. And then um, linking it then to the, the army army, the military army, mm. what's the sort of is, – is there much – of an offshoot from that um, into sort of uh, civilian society or? I think, I mean, my experience of that is more uh, more of the challenging side because although um, historically, and we're only sort of talking last 30 years or so in my knowledge, but the, um, the armies and the officers and they they come and go and their first priority is always to whichever forces they're serving. So let me kind of give you an example of what I mean by that. We live in Colchester. It's obviously a military town. Um, and for a long time, we've had um, the band of the parachute regiment based here. Um, but if ever they had to go off and do something else, they had to go off and do something else. There was no... Um, no negotiation, you know, they are soldiers, they are in the army. So yeah, although the they were... aren't known for negotiating, are they? <laughs> no, exactly. <laughs> so they, they could, and they did, um, when I was younger in the band, they could join one or more of the local bands at whatever level or wherever the spaces were. But if something happened and you happen to have your competition next month or whatever, they might go to Afghanistan for three weeks and you've just lost your corner section. Right. So yes, the relationship with the military musicians is there, but it's a challenging one. It's a very, because they will never be permanent and you will never be their first port of call. Mm. Um, and as you will have seen, if you have watched that Brastoff movie, yeah, you know, yeah, band exactly comes too. top of everybody's list. Wife, kids, job, no, there's band. Yeah, so yeah. to actually be serving, well, king now, king and country, rather than brass band, there's an obvious tussle there for power. Um, ah, okay, okay. Now, before we drift into, you know, more sort of present times and, hey, we could, we should even cover the future if we've got time. Uh, you mentioned the fr from coming the brass bands that are formed within different industries and then becoming almost like a PR thing, where that then opening up to to young people. Are these the first sort of youth ensembles that we saw in the country, perhaps, or um, quite possibly? I mean the. Bands, let's take the bands up north as the shining example because they are still doing it better than we are. And, and I would say Wales because um, Corey won't be happy if I don't mention Wales. Um, but in the bands up north that are, might be um, attached to a town because they are attached to a mine or even a beer factory, some of them, um, they will have eventually given birth to a youth ensemble and even a, a children's ensemble. Um, I'm thinking, 
oh, the name's going to, it'll come back to me, the name. But when I went in the summer to watch the Whit Friday, oh, Delph, when I went in the summer to watch the Whit Friday marches in Delph, um, they have their town band, which is the Delph band. And then they have a community band, which is open to everybody. Then they have a youth band, which is probably from 10 upwards, sort of teenage. And then they have a children's band as well. So out of what appears to be a very small and unassuming uh, Saddleworth town, there are four brass bands. Now, that uh, is got to be 100 people, probably. There'll be some overlap, um, but that's how strong the banding community is even 10% today. 10% of the town is in know, one of the bands. <laughs> is in one of the bands. And if if you've not been up there um, for Whit Friday... Um, yeah, the the film provides a good example, but it talks a lot about how these people get on and off their coaches and go to the pub. But actually, the whole town comes to a standstill. Um, the roads are shut off within a certain radius of the town, and for an, for an entire afternoon and evening, we're talking sort of three p.m. until twelve thirty a.m. All that happens is a brass band walks down the street playing a tune. And then at the bottom of the street, it plays a march and everybody sits and watches. And I actually have sat and watched for eight hours, 73 brass bands go past. That's a pretty extreme, geeky, wow. brass band nerd example. Um, but within that, you've probably got children who are as young as seven or eight, perhaps, with their cornets, through to old boys who've played their tuba for 60 years. Um, and somebody actually carries the tuba for them and then they play it for the competition and then somebody carries the tuba off. Um, for the first wow. time this summer, um, there were actually two or three people who were used a wheelchair as well and they also had people helping them. It's It gives me goosebumps. It's community like you hardly ever see it anymore. Um, it's amazing. That's so cool. Really, really is. I don't know what Whit Friday is, though. What is okay, it? Okay, so Whit Friday is um, a competition in Saddleworth, and it takes place on this um, it, it day. Whit Friday is a movable feast in the Christian calendar. It depends where Easter is. So it's oh. usually late May, June time. Um, and the marches started off historically to bear witness uh, to the Lord. So you would do um, a march and you'd carry a big banner at, at the front representing wherever you were from and um, you would march up the hill and praise God at the top of the hill and then you'd march back down and have your competition. So it is, and that is not a Salvation Army, that's based on the villages, the churches and all of that kind of life, community life really. Yeah, um, yeah. And for some reason, the the element of that which has continued is the brass band competition. They do also have um, services as well, but I'll be honest, it's much more about the competition. And it attracts people, um, brass bands from Norway, from France, um, and other places across Europe. And Holland, I think, was the other one this year. Okay. So, and that's an interesting element there. So it's obviously formed from a religious root mm. and, and particularly a time when uh, religion was the, the heart of the community, I suppose. Absolutely, because I think there's a very strong link there 
um, especially from the working men's point of view, you would be at work during the week. Um, you would probably have band practice in the evening. On Saturday, if you weren't required on the mines, you, you would be doing whatever was going on, be it the school fate or the Christmas mm. fate or something else like that. And then on the Sunday, you would all be in church. You know, everybody right. went. That that was what you did. Um, and whether the band was playing for the church or they, they weren't, um, it's it's grown out of that. So if there was a March event or a competition event at the weekend, everybody would go and it definitely wouldn't take place on a Sunday um, because you'd be in church. And whether that's mm. why the, these events take place on a Friday, I don't know. But I do know that even now the schools all close early. I mean, I can imagine trying to get my daughter out of school. So, oh, yeah, we're going to a brass band competition. That wouldn't be a thing <laughs> down here in sunny Essex. Um, but up north, that the children are all there from four o'clock onwards. So most likely those schools have closed to let the children out early to watch what's going on. Fascinating. And I mean, when I asked you about the the sort of uh, youth elements to them, when when did that start to come about out of interest? Do you know? No, I mean, not with any sense of accuracy. Um, Don't don't worry. (laughs) <laughs> it's the internet you can just say it now you and everyone will go oh up. that's true <laughs> oh right yeah or look it up yeah uh, okay well that, that, yeah uh really excited to just be talking about something that seems so authentically community music um basically and actually sort of part of well british culture anyway um yeah. so sort of fast forward to to now where where is it at I know, I know like competitions for example are a big deal um mm. you know is is that alive and kicking or you tell I me. think it's I always want to give you two answers I want to give you the if covid had never happened answer ah. and I want to give you the reality now the the if covid had never happened or just before it you know I think it's very dependent on where you happen to be and I think this is mm. what will link in quite closely uh, with your arts council, your music hubs, all everything that's going on in music mm-hmm. education. Um, because where we are in Colchester, which is part of Essex, and up in Suffolk, um, I think the provision is quite good. Um, but what it what I say about the difference between up north and here and these um, big bands in Yorkshire with all their training bands and their youth bands... Mm. Um, if you happen to have a band down here that is doing that work, then the opportunities are plentiful for children to learn from the very young age. As I mentioned earlier, my daughter plays in First Class Brass, which is a community band locally. Um, and you can join that band from learning about five notes. You know, the lady who runs it, um, and she's done parts where you might just play one note or a long note in every bar. Um, but you can straight away after seven or eight weeks, maybe feel like you're part of a band mm. and you're playing that music. And there's no greater encouragement than being able to sort of go home and say, oh, I can play happy or I can play whatever it is that the children will recognise and your peers at school will recognise. Um, and I know just out on the Tendering Peninsula, there's the Tendering Brass Band and they also have 
a community group and a youth band and all, everything going on there. The same as you would find up north. They have an academy where they have a, I think it's one night a week where they're just open for all the different age groups. Um, but if you don't happen to have people doing that work in your community, mm. then you, I don't know where you would go. Uh, perhaps it's just because I'm geographically, I'm in this corner of the world. So I know what's happening around here. Mm. Um, and I know it happens up, up north, but I, I speak to friends in other places who've got youngsters starting out and they're just not sure where to go. I think, um, mm. One of the things, you know, how does this link in? Well, one of the things is where is the signposting? You know, where do you start? If a kid sees an instrument, they think, oh, I might like to have a go at that. Where do they go? You know, your parent, your parent these days is essentially lazy. So they want to just pick up the phone and write into <laughs> Google uh, corner lessons or where yeah. can I learn the trumpet or whatever. Now, we've got to be very careful at that point because you want to be able to catch that inquiry. Um, one of the things I do worry about is if that inquiry takes you to a music hub, um, which is how the Arts Council disseminates mm -hmm, its funding mm -hmm. now, um, is there something there to grab somebody who's never picked the instrument up? Or does it say, join this ensemble, join this ensemble, but actually you don't know, you might not be a musical parent. You don't know what any of those joint brass ensemble. Well, do you necessarily know that the trumpet your child wants to play, which is plastic because that's what they've been given at school, is a brass ensemble? There's all this stuff that you don't necessarily... Uh, we're within the industry, but we don't always see it from the point of view of somebody who's outside the history. Mm. And this is why I think what you're saying about the link between... Um, the community and the grassroots music and the sort of education side, we've got to really make sure those links are there. And as you can see, I'm, I'm quite passionate about it. I, I never want somebody to get lost. How do you mm. grab that interest? Now, from what I've found, people within the brass band community could not be more excited about bringing young people on board. Um, mm -hmm. friends of mine um, in, in brass bands as I said there's a lot of older people but friends who acquire instruments from other people are always saying and you'll see on Facebook oh I've got this cornet or I've got yeah. this trombone does anyone know anyone who's interested and you want to try and bring those people in maybe show them how to um, play the instrument um, just try and grab their interest um mm. but it's 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 a difficult thing to do um i think children at the moment seem to have more opportunities than ever before um but that equals more challenges and more sort of demands on their time mm. so even the young people that i say oh really glad you're interested or how are you getting on with that cornet that you borrowed six weeks ago? Oh yeah, they, they love it. And you sort of think, well, what does love it mean? Does love it mm. mean you want to come along to band for an hour every Friday evening? Or does love it mean you quite like that you can play happy birthday now every six months? Mm. And you, it, that, that it's all about the pathways, I think. Mm. And um, that, that can be a challenge just getting people, on that pathway and keeping them 
going. There's a lot of chat there. Because there's a real difference or from what I'm picking up from our mm. conversation anyway, and I think this has been in the back of my head for a while anyway, there's a real difference, isn't there, between a authentic music community, ensembles and groups that are real and that uh, musicians, be them young or old, feel that they're part of something beyond just the sounds that they make. And then there are those ensembles which feel like something that is there just to make a sound, I suppose. Mm. I, 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 know, I know from my personal experiences as a musician, I think aside from the obvious, yeah, I just love making music and losing myself in sound. Actually, it is the the human element that is what is the sort of driving force. And again, to not wanting to overuse that term as well it's those sort of authentic interactions mm. those music making situations that are being done for the love of it rather than anything else I suppose I, I think there's a huge amount in what you've just said and the it reminds me of what I've said to our audiences since coming back to giving concerts this side of the pandemic um if you are a musician, um, not just if you've trained for it your whole life, but if you go to a band instead of going to a bowls club or a nissanata or whatever you might do, but the band is the thing that gives you your community time, your human time, you to use the expression mm. that you use, then to not have that and just have it taken away and to never know if you were going to be allowed to play in an ensemble again. I mean, for me personally, because music has also been my career, that was terrifying. You know, mm. that stripped the the life and soul out of you to the point that I became the best homeschooler and home cook that there was just to try and reinvent myself um th that that was difficult i think human beings generally speaking want to be together and so if you find people who enjoy the same passions as you and that passion is making music then you're onto a winner um my main band which is um boxhead methodist silver band that came obviously from a methodist background and it was a Wesleyan ensemble of clarinets, cornets, basses from about 1896 or so. Um, but it's in a village three miles north of Colchester, which doesn't have a post office anymore, doesn't have a pub, um, has lost all of this other stuff, but <laughs> it still have a has a brass band, which next year is 125 years old wow. now there are members of the band of course that will tell you that's there because are it... 125 years oh old. yeah no, there are. <laughs> <laughs> no there are no 89 i think and 90 wow. on christmas day this is our oldest oh, our tuba player job um and 
you know, there are members of the band who will tell you that that is God's work because it's a Methodist band. Uh, and there are other members of the band whose arms I have to twist every time we have to go and do a Sunday service. So, you know, we all muck in together regardless of what our personal beliefs are. Um, but something has kept that group going all of that time through two world wars when there were only perhaps four, six members of the band left. Um up to the present day, um, when you know our membership at the moment goes from age fifteen up to eighty-nine. Um, oh, so that's amazing! All playing in the same band together. All playing in the same band together. Yeah, um, we did used wonderful. to have a youth band as well, but there just hasn't been there stopped being the uptake from the young people to take that. But fortunately, we work very closely with First Class Brass. It's our principal cornet player, Anne Ruddock, is there conductor so um we work closely okay. with them um it's Wonderful. an amazing thing <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely okay so again a present and sort of maybe taking a sneaky peek into the future we can see that some of those original grassroots authentic community music things are being maybe tested a bit because of COVID. And then I suppose what you're talking about with uh, the responsibility relying with hubs, it's not the same as a a band that's been part of the community for 150 mm. years. It's not so ingrained in, into society. So there's obviously those challenges there. Um, I'm interested to know, yeah, what's, what's going to happen, what maybe you think needs to happen but also there's this element of brass band music that I've been sort of almost unconsciously listening to for a while now, which is like the the Young Blood brass band. And I've seen at a couple of festivals, like small brass band ensembles quite often with a jazz drummer and that sort mm-hmm. of thing seems to be bubbling up a little bit as well, doesn't it? This sort of different approach on it. Do, do you think that's gonna help you know is that a positive thing is that starting to come into the original british brass band sort of culture as well or a lot of questions there go for it talk for an hour (laughs) (laughs) a huge amount of um what needs to happen now is continuing to engage the young people um we all know what the many pressures are on our own uh, lifestyles and never mind society um the cost of everything how hard everybody has to work etc etc so it becomes more difficult to get um adults to give up their time to engage with young people um so that's one thing there are also barriers to doing that like um criminal disclosure crb checks of course they're really really important but I couldn't take a brass band into a primary school to share an afternoon of music with them because oh, mm-hmm. my brass band wouldn't be DBS checked. And I how see, long I it see. would take to get them DBS checked beforehand, mm-hmm. you know, that's really challenging. Um, for the Jubilee, we did play at um, a couple of different school fates outdoors, um, but there's no there's no interaction with the students. There's no way of um, getting them really excited up close um looking at these of course with covid you can't let them blow on your instruments anymore Mm because that isn't safe and all this kind of stuff um so we really need to think about how we engage 
the young people and how we make um, any musicians at all. But brass is great for kids because it's loud and it's shiny. So <laughs> how how can we get that into their um mindset and i think one of the things that's been really really good and god bless the bbc at the ripe old age of 100 but uh strictly come dancing you think that's a strange link okay where Mm. does strictly come dancing link to brass bands well they have used a, a couple of um pieces of music which for whatever reason are in the brass band canon that we would play every year at a at a fate for example, okay. um, there's a piece called Amparita Rocca. And you're thinking, what? And I'm telling you, it's a Paso Doble. And last year, uh, Tom, Fletcher and Amy on Street Come Dancing danced their Paso Doble to this piece called Amparita Rocca. And brass band musicians up and down the country were going, oh my gosh, it's Amparita <laughs> Because we're not used to seeing our culture on mainstream television now if you can go into a primary school as we did then for the jubilee shortly after that and play that same piece of music the children are going to recognize it and if Mm. you have the opportunity as i did to speak to them and say oh do you remember tom and amy when they did their spanish dance and they wore their costumes this is the piece of music and they're going to go really and listen and you never know they might recognize it but they know what strictly come dancing is so mm. we have to um reconnect or connect our culture with cultural references today that those young people will understand and then really just keep banging on the door to to find these roots in and to get them going it is not easy um because i'm doing it at at a grassroots level at a volunteer level um trying to engage with young people and there are there are those challenges there i mean never mind um the other challenges on their curriculum the amount Mm. of maths english and so forth that they have to do um you've got to find a way to keep the music in there i'm sorry to be massively negative but is there a reality that actually that kind of stuff that kind of um completely community-led stuff is actually just going to disappear because of all these barriers and complications Mm. i mean you mentioned at the beginning talking about parents and um you know the way that they look through the things that their kids can do or or the the complexities of a of a a kid's diary is just it's just wild isn't it i mean i know from running ensembles myself it's like you know you can't get upset if they don't come to you your whatever rehearsal because they've got a, a swimming competition and and then uh, exams that they're being told don't fail this because your life will yeah. be ruined you know yeah. so it's, it's just all all these things coming together and it does feel a little bit like well maybe this can this actually coexist can it um that is definitely a horror story kind of question that i think we're very close to having to address i think the counter to that is that you are talking about musicians. So you are talking about people who did feel like they'd had their right arm chopped off when Boris closed us down in March 2020 and who would do anything to ensure that that doesn't happen. Um, I've never met 
a musician who wasn't absolutely passionate about young people coming in to enjoy what we all enjoy um, and would move heaven and earth to, to make that happen. So I think that working in music, you're with creative people and as such, we will continue to find creative ways to work around that problem. Um, I think uh, when we had um, Prince Philip's funeral on television and the musicians performed there, there was a huge amount of backlash immediately after that saying, hey, if we'd have all done what we were supposed to do and retrained, you wouldn't have had those musicians. If we don't somehow invest in the young people learning music, this thing that people around the globe switch their televisions on to watch, the pomp and circumstance of Britain, that will go because music is an inherent limb on the, what makes this country what it is. I, I don't think that we'll be prepared to let that go, any of us. Soapbox. Yeah, <laughs> just a perfect place to end. Thank you so much, Victoria. It's been an awesome oh. chat. Oh, it's really nice to see you, Chris. <laughs>